you to come up and join us as a family so when we have a testimony, we'll just be together. So if you could come up and join me here. Those of you come and join us up here. And I'm going to call up Monica, our sister Monica, to share a great testimony with you guys today. Hi, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a leader here at Elevate. I've been a leader here since the beginning of May. And from, ben, from then, back then, it was my brother who introduced me to this youth ministry. And the leaders here, they showed me, they showed me what it really meant to be loved. And they showed me, they took me under their wing, leading me and guiding me. Um, they showed me what it meant to truly follow Jesus Christ and to love others beyond myself of who I was back then. But the main thing that Elevate did was that they preached the gospel to me and they showed me what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross and what I couldn't do for myself. Um, so I strongly encourage others, like I believe by faith that what Jesus Christ did for me, he can do for you as well. For the youth in this ministry, that they can be the light in their family and they can show them that there's a way out. There's a way out from where they are now, from the darkness. So God is still calling you. He still knows where you are now. He still loves you, and his love still remains for you. So in John 15, 4, it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. So as words of encouragement, I just want you guys to draw near to God because he'll meet you where you at are right now. And I promise that his promise is that everything will fall into place after that. So to close out in prayer, Heavenly Father, we praise your name in this place, dear God. I thank you for the people before you right now in the congregation, dear Lord. I pray for more disciples and elevate, dear God, and that the youth will want to draw near to you and that their hearts will be on fire, Lord, and they will have the eagerness to be a Spartan leader, Lord, and to lead others unto your love, Heavenly Father. Dear God, I pray for the words right now that they will be preached unto these youth, dear God, and they will want to follow you, Lord, and want to remain in your love, Lord. We thank you and we love you. And the whole congregation said, Amen. Well, give the Lord some praise. You can stand to your feet for me, please. And just like Elevate, we're going to leave these altars open. Come on to the front. Let's get ready to worship Jesus. Come on, you. Come on, family. Come on, parents.
Your blood has covered every sin. Your grace empowers me to My pain and my oppression and your blood and my acceptance. Now I'm about to bring you praise. Well, the Spirit of the Lord is there.
God, just rid yourself of all the distractions in this place. With every eye closed and hands lifted up. Heavenly God, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this next song. It talks about the heart of worship, God. Praise is being preoccupied, God, with your blessing, Lord. But worship is preoccupied with who you are, God. So we want to preoccupy our minds right now, Lord God, with who you are and who you've been to us. Lord God, let us give you our hearts, God.
your own words, Jesus. I want to know your heart, God. I want to know what that means, Lord. What does that mean in my life personally, Lord? I want to know your heart. I want to know what you love, God. I want to know what you hate, oh God. I want to be closer, closer to your love, Lord. Begin to
Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. God, you are in this place, oh, Lord. God, you are in this place, Lord, and we feel you, Lord. God, we came to meet with you this morning, oh, God. We came to experience your love this morning, oh, Lord. And God, we thank you that we have the ability to taste and see that you are good, oh Lord. God, it's so true that your love is so much sweeter than anything I've tasted. God, you reign in our hearts, oh Lord. You have proved your love to us in such a mighty way, God. You took the cross for us. And God, some of us came here today, Lord, not knowing who you are, not knowing of your great love, not knowing that it's not a religion. Some of us came here today not knowing that there is joy that comes from your Holy Spirit, God. Oh, how great your love is for us, God. How great your love is for us, oh Lord. God, we came to meet you this morning, God. And God, we're meeting you in this place, God. This is your sanctuary, God, a place where no evil can abound, Lord. This is your sanctuary, God, a place where love abounds, Lord, a place where we get to encounter who you are. It's not a religion, Lord. It's a relationship with you. And God, we lift our hands with hands lifted across this room. Come on. Let's show Jesus how we worship him. Come on. Come on, let's sing that. Yes. How great your love is for. Come on, yes. Come on, let's all lift our hands right now. Let's all lift our hands. And if you don't know why we lift our hands right now, we lift our hands and surrender to Jesus. Because in order to feel his presence, we need to humble ourselves and say, God, I want to know. If you're looking around this room and you see people who are lifting their hands and dancing and singing aloud, it's because they know the Lord is good. God, you are good and your love endures forever. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are good and your love endures forever. You will not let us down, oh Jesus. And God, I pray that you would touch every heart here, God. That everybody will be captivated by who you are. That they would know that there's something more to this life than just the everyday. Life is about knowing you, Lord, and making you known. God, receive all the glory, God. Receive all the praise, God. Because you loved us first, God. We want to love you back. God, we dedicate this service to you. God, we ask that you would blow this place up with your presence, oh God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
Woo! Praise the Lord. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You guys can find your way back to your seats if you have one because this place is pretty packed out. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. My name is Rudy Salt. I'm a deacon here at MPI and I serve at Elevate. I've had an amazing time, you know, working with the youth for the past 16 months. And it's my honor today to preach the life-changing gospel to you guys right now. I want to tell you guys about the love of Jesus and what Jesus can do for you. You see, five years ago, till this very month, I came to a church somewhat like this. And being raised in church, I didn't know what it was like. But I met Jesus, the God I didn't believe in. I was an atheist. I met Jesus at a church service. I felt the joy and the presence of the Lord, and I was sold. And I want to share with you guys the revelation of that today. I want to share with you guys what Jesus Christ came to do for us. I want to tell you about the grace of the Lord and how he loves you so much. We're going we're gonna to be in Romans 5, 8 right now. And I want to read it to you guys. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When it says us, it's everybody. Christ died for everybody. It wasn't just a certain group of people. He died for every single person. Yes, that means when he was on the cross, he had you in mind. If you came today and you don't know who Jesus is, he knows who you are. And when he died on the cross, the nails in his hands and the, the whippings and the crown of thorns, he had your name in his heart. And he knew that, that hit the blood that was being poured out from those nails and, and his head, he knew that that blood would be the blood to wipe your sins away. I want to let you guys know that we have all sinned. We've all broken God's commands. We've all sinned before God, whether we knew it or not. Every day, in fact. And yes, God hates sin. But my friends, he doesn't hate you. He loves you. In fact, his love for you is so wild and it's so crazy that he decided to give up his life in exchange for yours. You see, Jesus had a mentality that he would rather die than to ever live without you by his side. You see, one day we're all going to die, and that's the end of our line on this earth. But our soul lives on. And what Jesus came to do is to eliminate the sin part of us. Because we were, we were all born into a sinful world, and we all learn to do sinful things. That's just how it is. And the Lord Jesus Christ said we must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if you're sitting in here today, you, you never understood why Jesus had to die on the cross. He did it for you. That's the most simplest way I could put it. He knew that without his death on the cross, everybody who was a sinner would be going to hell, which is everybody, right? But God didn't want to let that happen. He said, I will take the punishment. Think about a good friend, a loved one that says, I'll jump in front of a bullet for you. Jesus said, I'll jump in front of a bullet for you. I'll jump in front of God's wrath. I'll take the punishment on the cross and I'll give you life. You see, I'm not talking about religion today. If you're here sitting in this church, you came for a reason. And I want to tell you that how much God loves you. 
five and a half years ago, I didn't know who God was. I didn't even know God existed. I thought I was, I thought I was fine on my own. Then I encountered Jesus, and then I learned I was a sinner. And the love I already had for Jesus enabled me to say, I don't want my sin anymore. So everybody here has hope. If you're listening to the words I have to say, there is hope for you. Your sin today can be forgiven. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord, and his name is Jesus, and you will be saved. And you, hallelujah, you have an opportunity today to say, Jesus, I want my sin to be forgiven. I want my sin to be erased from my life. So when I die and leave this earth, I'll still be with you because I already had a relationship with you here on earth. And I want to give everybody an opportunity to make that possible. So with all eyes closed, let's all close our eyes. Let's all bow our heads. God, I pray. God, we lift you high in this place. God, we thank you for the cross. God, you took our place. And God, you considered us. God, you knew we were sinners before you took the cross, God. And you said, I still want to take it because there are people that will say yes to my sacrifice. God, you did that. God, you had us in mind. You selflessly took the punishment on the cross. But hallelujah, Jesus, you resurrected. You didn't stay dead. God, it's because you resurrected is the reason why we get to resurrect from this life here on earth and have an eternal life in heaven, God. And I pray for everybody here, God, that their hearts would be softened to know who you are, to be curious about your love, to be curious about why you did what you did. And I pray that every person here who feels your presence would say, yes, Lord, I want to know more. Yes, Lord, I want to receive the forgiveness of my sins. Yes, Lord, you are worthy of my life. Jesus, we ask for your presence to abound in the hearts, God, even of, even of those who don't know you yet, God, so they can come to know you and their life would be changed. God, you are good. God, and your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Y'all can stand to your feet, please. We want to give you the opportunity to say yes to the Lord Jesus. If, you, if you're that person that says, okay, I don't know what you were talking about, but I want to receive eternal salvation. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want my sin to be forgiven. We have some prayer workers here, Umberto and Kirsten. They're great deacons in our church. And during our greeting time, our fellowship time, where the bumping music is playing, you guys can come talk to them. And they'll teach you what it, uh, how, to, how to repent of your sins and get plugged into the church and get plugged into life groups so that you can love Jesus more. Amen? Amen. So at this time, we're going to cite our confession of faith. The reason why we do this is because this is how we see the world. This is how we see God and the world, his interaction with the world. And this is what we believe as a church. And we're going to say it together. Amen? All right. So on the count of three, we'll all say it together. Okay? One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Y'all could greet your neighbor. Say hi to someone you don't know. Amen.
Yeah, there's no talking. Yeah, go up there and just uh, introduce the Alabama ministry. Good morning, good morning, Metro Praise. If everybody could just take a seat. Okay, my name is Carmen Ramos, and I am a deacon here at Metro Praise International. And I am also one part of a very amazing team of leaders for our, our youth ministry called Elevate. You might be hearing that throughout the, the service, so that's what we do on Fridays. Every time we say Elevate. That's what we do, okay. Um, but I am here to welcome you to Metro Praise International. Today is a very special Sunday for us, for our ministry. It's called E-Sunday, and basically Elevate is taken over. So we are really excited about this. We're really excited for the youth who brought their family members and their friends today. And um, I would just like to invite all of the um, Elevate youth who have brought a parent or guardian with them. So if you are part of our Elevate ministry on a Friday and your mom, dad, or your legal guardian is here, is here with you, I'd like you to come up to the front area, please, quickly, quickly. Bring your parent, bring your parent with you. Moms, dads, guardians, come on. Make your way up. If you are here with your mom or dad or your guardian, bring them up, bring them up. <laughs> awesome. Are you missing one? Got it? Okay. All right. So just your parent or guardian, okay? Just your mom or your dad or whoever is your guardian, okay? We want you to come up with them, okay? All right. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much to the parents for entrusting us with your children. I am a parent myself, and I know um, how difficult it could be to entrust your child with somebody else. So we love you, and we appreciate you entrusting your children to us, and we do our best to serve them and to love them. So if you ever have any questions regarding youth, the ministry, anything, all of us leaders are wearing Elevate shirts today, so you just come and see us, talk to us. But we love you, we love your children, and we thank you so much for allowing us to pour into them. So as a token of our appreciation and for just being here on Sunday, we have a little gift for the parents that I want to present you with. So thank you so much for coming and for um, giving us your kids. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, moms, dads, come on, I didn't just miss you, come on back up here. Before we let you sit down, we would like to pray with you guys, okay, so come on up. If I can get some of our Elevate Deacons to come up here, we're going to pray real quick over you guys. Come on up, come on up. So lay your hands on some people, we're going to pray really quickly for the parents, and don't leave yet, don't leave yet, okay? We, I like you up here with me. Okay. Anybody? Okay. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for these youth, Lord God. We thank you for what, they're do what you're doing in their lives, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord God, for the parents who entrust us with their children. I pray, Lord God, that you'd always give us wisdom and knowledge, Lord God, to pour into them and to love them, Lord God, as we would our own children, Lord God, and as you do to us, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord God, for blessings in these youth, in their lives, Lord God, in their homes, Heavenly Father, upon their parents, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that they would be children who walk in obedience to their parents, Lord God, who reflect your character, Lord God, every day of their lives, Lord God, that their parents would look upon their children and know that Jesus resides in them, Heavenly Father, that they would see you, Lord, when they look at their kids, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that these families, Lord God, and these homes, Lord God, that are represented, Lord God, that they would overflow, Lord God, with your joy and with your love, Lord God, that you would be king of their homes, Lord God, and that you would just rule in their lives, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for um, a good relationship between parents and their children, Lord God, and that you would be the center of it, Lord God. Thank you for bringing them here today. They have honored us with your, uh, they've honored us with their presence. Heavenly Father, bless them immensely, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I would like for Nathan to stay up here, Jose and Jomira, and then Mariah. So everybody else can have a seat. You can have a seat. So we just wanted to honor our youth, so we had... um. Uh, we had asked them to bring as many people as they possibly could so we can blow up Sunday, so we can just show their families and their friends what we do for them on a Friday and what it's like for them. So we have in third place, we have see, Jazzy. Oh, I didn't, I didn't keep Jazzy up here. I'm sorry. In third place is Jazzy. If you can come up here, Jazzy. In second place, we had a tie. Mariah and Jose, it's a family, so we're going to share. Okay, so this was based on how many you brought. So Jazzy brought two, Mariah and Jose each brought five, and then Nathan is first place, guys. Listen to this. Nathan brought 15 of his family members. 15! What? Congratulations. This is what we want to see. So Nathan, this is for you. This is how we do it. Elevate! 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 All right, guys. Um, I am going to hand out your gift cards and I'm going to call Julian up. What's up, guys? How y'all doing today? I got to get one more time. We got to get some energy up in here. Elevate! 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 Amen. That's how we do it up in here. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We're the most youthful hype church you'll ever see, as you can see, as all of us here. But if you're a first time visitor, I want you to raise your hand. We got all these welcome flyers for you, so you didn't get one. Look for somebody with an Elevate shirt on. We're going to get you one. This is your ticket right here. But I'm going to give you guys some announcements. First things first, we're going to tell you that this is E-Sunday. E-Sunday. So what that means is this is our youth service. As you can see, I'm not Pastor Nancy. The, pre the preacher that's going to preach is not Pastor Joe. It's all Elevate. We took over. We'll apologize later. <laughs> but this is our 10 a.m. service. We got another 1 p.m. service. So if you want double glory, come on. We can get you two times. We can get you two times. But then we got our Fridays at 7 p.m. Let me get it one more time. Elevate! Amen. That's at 7 p.m. every Friday. 
And then we do have a vision here, and our vision is loving God and loving people. Now, what that means is loving God means to worship God with passion and obey his commands. And loving people is to help them in their times of need and preach the gospel. And once you do that, we're going to mentor you. Everybody say mentor. So we're going to mentor you in our 101, which is a one-on-one discipleship-based class with a leader who wants to get into your life and help you live like Jesus. It steps to your spiritual growth. And then once you graduate that, you get into the 201, which is another discipleship-based class, just a little bit more, where you learn how to be an elder or deacon in church and be a true servant of Christ. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. And then we're going to send you out to make disciples that make disciples. And it's all for an ultimate goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. So if you believe that, let me get an amen. 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 So now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how you can connect. So we got some life groups going on. We got one today, which is the single moms. All right, all right. We got child care provided. That's going to be at that address there. And then on Tuesday night, we got encounter prayer night, which is going to be held here at 7 p.m. And then Wednesday, we got the King's Kids. Amen, amen. That's where you drop the kids off. Married folks can get a little night out. I'm getting married soon, so maybe something down the line, you know, drop my kids off at King's Kids. Uh, And then on Thursday, we got gang outreach. That meets at 7 p.m. here at the church. And then on Friday, we got two amazing adult Bible studies. We got the Goveas and the Vivids Bible studies. Amen, amen. And then next, what we're going to talk about is uh, tithes and offerings. So with tithes and offerings, we're going to get into our lesson, which is lesson 11. And it's uh, Stewards Are Shrewd. If we could turn there in our discipleship giving book. So the definition is going to be, Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. And our scripture for today is going to be coming out of Luke 16, verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are, than are the people of the lights. Amen, amen. So our main points, so the main takeaways we can get from that is that one, he acted shrewdly. So the true definition of shrewd means to be practically wise and prudent. Jesus used these parables to teach his disciples lessons on being shrewd because he expected us to be the best at all we do in both ministry and business. And two, another takeaway we got is that people of this world are more shrewd. Which means Jesus rightly pointed out that oftentimes we see people in the business world with more savvy and a better work ethic than people in the kingdom. However, Jesus didn't say don't strive to be wise and successful, but rather just pray and have faith. No, that is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, be the example of the, uh, of the world's shrewdness. And he said, be wiser and more successful than non-Christians. And our third takeaway from that is be people of the light. Jesus taught that the people of the light, his disciples, should be the best at what they do. Why? Because they have the power of the Holy Spirit to receive wisdom and work hard. Therefore, who should be the wisest doctors? Christian doctors. Who should be the shrewdest business leaders? Christian leaders. Who should be the best employees? Christian employees. Light is always greater than the darkness. Can I get an amen? 
Now our summary is to be shrewd in all that you do, especially in the workplace. We know that Jesus gives us a spirit of excellence. He doesn't give us a spirit of being lackadaisical and just going and eh, cutting corners, things like that. No, he wants us to be the best employees, not cutting any corners so that people can know that this is what Christians work like. We do our work unto the Lord. And our application of that is be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you're going to give after your tithes. And number two is to ask God to give you wisdom to be shrewd in your career. And number three is to don't make excuses for failure, but make plans to succeed. All right. Can everybody repeat this on the count of three? One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, we come in your mighty name and we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to show the parents and people of the, uh, that brought their youth with them, God, what we do on Friday on a Sunday, Lord, that we show them that it's all about Jesus, that it's all about his kingdom, God. And I pray that you will bless their tithe, God. You will bless them as they go out into their workplaces so they could be the best that they could be and do all their work unto you. And you will give them that spirit of excellence and you would prosper your people and give them promotions and raises and all the things that Christian workers deserve God because we do it better God we do it better with you but it's only on your strength and it's in your mighty name that we pray and everybody said amen come forward as you give guys we're gonna do this right we want everybody to stand to their feet we want y'all to come towards the altar come get turned up with us come on come on come on keep coming keep coming we need this altar full if y'all ain't up here i don't know what y'all doing come on
Come on, come on. Elevate. 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 Come on, drop that beat. Born again. That's a life I lead. When I get that faith, I'll split that seed. Bless the God that I love to breathe. Amen. Time to show the world needs saving that I know. Talk about the glory of the Lord. When it comes to that, I'll stand tall. Time to not to stay back. Can I get a run and preach when I pray that? In I pray when I stand, I say that. Bond of sin, he break that. Soldiers, he raise up. We put our hands up. Talk about the saving grace of the Lord. We understand. So we stand up. Let's go. Jesus, you are I'm a soldier for the Lord. 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 Let's go! I'm putting on my breastplate of righteousness. I'm gonna put on my helmet of salvation. I'm gonna take up the sword of the spirit. Raise my shield, faith. And raise my shield. Yes. Go. Amen. On day knees, claiming that they know everything It's sickening strictly to me But either way, they having me Got no savior, just imagination That God is only their creation Participation, voice, salvation Jesus and no adaptation So dear, right by the true standard No Muhammad or religious cancer Relationship be not saved by deeds On top of name, entity, and news feed So to stand tall and no shrink back No low wolf, see no wolf pack We roll deep like a 300 Tell the enemy that they're outnumbered Small numbers, but more Fight, fighting all the hours till the night. This hell, Jesus on the main line, AOL. Our true nature is to disobey. Since original sin is our DNA, let's bow our heads and all pray. Let's bow our heads and all pray. Jesus, you are everything. Everywhere I go, I'ma shout it from the rooftop. I'ma shout. I'ma shout for the Lord. I'ma shout for the Lord. I'ma shout for the Lord. I'ma shout for the Right. Listen, I'm a put it on my helmet of salvation. Hey, hey, shit. I'm going to take up the sword of the spirit. Yeah, raise my. Yeah, raise my. All right, y'all, we want you to do this with us, all right? I, I got, got my breastplate. I got my helmet. I got my sword of the spirit. And my shield of faith. I got my breastplate. I got my helmet. I got my sword of the spirit. Get my shield the I got my I got my I got my sword of the spirit. I got my I got my I got my In my Let's go, Jesus. You are everything. I am a shot from the I Come on, everybody's mouth. Everybody's mouth. Let's go.
Everybody can get back to their seats, take a seat. All right, everybody back to their seats. Is everybody ready? That was like the warm up to the main event. We're gonna get going. I gotta keep moving cause I'm excited, but we got something real special to show y'all. Real, real special, real special. Everybody's got a blank page, a story they're writing today, a wall that they're climbing. You can carry the past on your shoulders. You can start over regrets, no matter what you've gone through, Jesus. He gave it all to save you. He carried the cross on his shoulders, so you can start over. Don't let your heart be troubled, don't be afraid To the brokenhearted, their wishes paid Never been born, never been torn, never sinned, never disobeyed I know you think there's no hope, no, but that ain't true Jesus saves I know you feel a regret, like I brought this all on myself, like I Messed it up big time and this time I don't deserve God's help Thinking, how can God forgive me? After knowing what I hid, Kenny. After knowing that I hid from him and I stayed away and backslid. Listen, Jesus came for the sick. So true. So Jesus came for the weak. Amen. Jesus came to give good news and to set the captives free. Amen. Listen, Jesus came for the poor. Amen. Jesus came with the keys. Amen. Jesus came to remove the chains so the prisoners can be released. Everybody's got a brain pick, a story that I'm writing
All right, all right, all right. Elevate. 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 What, what? What, what? God is good all the time. That's how we do that here in Elevate East Sunday. Yes, let's give it up for Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to take this time real fast just to announce we do have other headsets for those of you guys that only speak it Espanol. We have some headphones in the back. If you don't understand English, then we have an interpreter, an interpreter that can break it down in Espanol. Anybody out there? Don't be scared. I'm not going to tell on you. It's okay. We here. We're diverse. We have all type of nationalities here. Black, green, white. Some people haven't showered. It's okay. We'll pray for you. But this is what's going on, all right? It's okay. But if you guys are interested in that, we don't have Polish and all that stuff in the future maybe, but we do have Spanish. Come on, somebody, right? And it's in the back. Let the, uh, let the, uh, anybody in the Elevate shirt, they'll get it for you, and we'll work that out. Now, I am excited to be up here. Amen? Uh, I first want to, if you guys can give it up to the Elevate leaders. Amen? This is, this is a band of brothers and sisters, man, that if you ever came around us or anybody, you know, an adult-wise ever came to our Elevate service, you would know off minutes that we are a family. We are a family of believers. We're not sitting here trying to raise up clicks. We're not sitting here, you know, like they call it sneak dissing, right? That's where somebody sneakily gossips about somebody else. Like, you see Steve over there? You know he doesn't have any hair, right? It's like, Duke, it's obvious. It's obvious, man. Come on, you know? So that we don't do none of that. We come here as free, you know, and in a sense of you don't have to be worrying about people judging you in that manner. We love God, and we do that by loving people. And that is what Elevate represents. We love our youth. God has not written them off and said, you know what, to hell with all youth. No, he has not. If anything, he's raising up people like Elevate leaders to go out there and reach the youth of Chicago and our nation for Jesus because they are worth it. Amen. So let's give it up for the Elevate leaders. As you guys seen on the, uh, on the screen, that was just a snippet of what we did in 2016. And it's not even over yet. But all that takes time. All that takes sacrifice. It takes a, a person to say, you know what? I love youth and whatever it takes, I'll spend a night at the church in a lock-in. I'll go to the camping trip and build a tent and sleep on the floor. Whatever it takes, we're going to reach youth for Jesus Christ. And that is our mindset. That is our heart. And elevate. Amen? So in saying that, I have the awesome privilege of preaching the word of God. If you can put that up there. I want to first thank my, uh, my senior pastor, Joe Irostic, for giving me this opportunity. Give it up for P. Joe. Come on, somebody. I've been to a lot of churches, man, right? a lot of churches, but I never found a man of God like this. I never find this. This man is like a Leonidas, man. If you guys know what I'm talking about, I'm from 300 side, right? How many people seen that movie? Some of y'all think I'm not raising my hands and call me a sinner. I'm not going to do that. But the movie projects an awesome soldierism, you know? Um, but that's the man of God, man. He has raised me up in such a way, and I know he would not have put me up here if he didn't believe that God had said so. All righty? And that, that is the truth, man. I love this man of God, and uh, here I am. Eh? Praise God. Um, if we can all just bow our heads and close our eyes right now, we're about to pray and uh, see God's face. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for this time, God. 
We thank you for all that you're doing, God, in this place, Lord. And, God, I thank you for bringing every individual here, God. I thank you for bringing the parents in, Lord God, who have supported their youth, Lord God, thus far, Lord God. Lord, they could be out on a Sunday game-banging, God. They can be out, out, out on a Sunday or even a Friday, God, out there selling drugs, holding guns, God, causing havoc in Chicago. But instead, God, they come to want to meet you, God. I thank you for these parents, God. I thank you for these youth, God. And I pray now, God, that you would have your way, Lord. I ask, Father God, that I will be your oracle at this time, God, that you would anoint me, Lord God, to preach your word, God, in such a way, God, that you would remove the hardened hearts, God, that you would give a new mind, a new heart, a new spirit that would honor you, God, and who you are as God and King and Lord. God, have your way in this place this morning. And we pray all these things, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Man. Today we're going to be talking about, as you guys see on the uh, karaoke screen, under God's mighty hand. I know it looks like a kindergarten did this, but it's legit. It's legit. It's the best I can do. I'm sorry. It's the best I could do. But uh, we are, we're going to be talking about this particular phrase, under God's mighty hand. And we'll be able to break that down today as God leads us and guides us. And all I ask today is that you open up your heart to the Lord and hear what God has to say. All the way up until this point, we've been living our lives the way we want to live it. I should say some of us. All the way up until this point, we've been putting ourselves under our own hand or in our own hand thinking that we're carrying ourselves, and it's a lie. It is a lie. So we got to think about now what is under God's mighty hand. How does that look like? How doesn't it look like? And these are the things that I want to be able to talk about today. Our main scripture today, if we can go to the next, uh, the next slide or the next point. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 11. And this is what the word of God says. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Verse 6 says, humble yourselves. Therefore, everybody say this. Under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers, any family of believers here? Amen. Throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. And everybody says, amen. Come on, somebody. You guys were able to see these words, right? All right, if you're not, I mean, they have, they have doctors for these kind of things. They will hook you up, right? So I want to talk about, first and foremost, just the background of what's going on. We can go to the next slide. Of what's going on in the, in the letter of Peter, written by Peter, one of the 12 disciples. And not just a 12 disciple, but he was part of the main three that Jesus had with him. When Jesus did something special, like going up to the Mount of Transfiguration, he called Peter to go with him. When Jesus went to the, uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane ready before he was about to take the cup and go to the cross, he had Peter and two others go with him. And he said, for this time, just pray, pray, and I'm going to go over here and pray to the Father. Peter had an inside scoop with Jesus 
more than the other disciples. God raised these inner circles up so they can go on ahead and reach the outer circle and the rest of the 12 disciples. And in turn, 12 disciples turned the world right side up. Not upside down because it's already upside down, but right side up. Amen? So I want to give a, a quick a rundown on what happened in the letter of Peter, which I believe is a roadmap for us as believers and even unbelievers or, or backslidden believers who have taken their own road and thinking that all roads lead to heaven when it does not. The Bible says that the, the, the road to destruction is wide, right? But the road to heaven, righteousness is narrow. It's small. And I'm just paraphrasing, probably butchering that, butchering that, that scripture, but it's narrow. Meaning a lot of people think they're on the road to heaven, but they are not because they have chosen to take their own road and their own path. They have chosen to take the advice of Oprah who says, you know what, always lead to heaven. No, it does not. You're lying. Because the Bible says the road to heaven is a narrow path. And if it's narrow, that means you better keep your eyes open and be on the lookout for it and make sure you're on it. Because the road that leads to destruction is a wide one. A lot of people are on there. They're just riding on, you know, on the cars these days, on caprices with, with rims on it, thinking they're slick. I'm doing big things. God's been good to me. I've been selling drugs all week. He's been giving me all type of money. Sir, ma'am, whoever you are, that is the road to destruction. God did not give that to you. If anything, you need to give that stuff back to the father that you're serving, and that's Satan. That's the word. All right? So this is what's going on. The number one, if you could, uh, I'm going to give, uh, you guys see up here, give the scripture reference. The first thing that Peter talks about is that God chose us. Who chose us? God chose us. That is the landmark right there. That is the foundation. God chose us. He came into this world, dying across for our sins, resurrected the third day, and he gave eternal life to everybody who would come to him and believe. He did this. That is the foundation in which we stand on, and Peter knew what to talk about first. Number two, praising God for giving us new life. He called us, and then he gave us new life. That is the second spot in which we find ourselves as we go along this walk called Christianity, a follower of Jesus Christ. And you find that between chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. Number three, it's a call to holiness. Not a call to debauchery, not a call to sexual immorality, not a call to just like, you know, well, it's not that bad. You know, dude over here is doing worse, so I'm good. I'm pretty good. No, it's a call to holiness. Nothing less. Holiness. Number four, our identity and how to conduct ourselves in Christ. From there, Peter goes on and starts talking about who you are in Jesus Christ, your identity. The reason why that is so important is because if you don't know who you are, how you, how are you going to know what you're supposed to be doing? And he starts it off like that. I love the roadmap of Peter because he knew first whose he was, and then he was able to respond and get to know who he was, and he was able to write a letter as such and be the man and who God made him to be. See, a lot of us in here are having an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. And any time the culture changes and shifts and waves, it's like, well, I guess I'm going this way. Well, Kanye West now calling himself Jesus. Well, I guess he is Lord. Let me follow him. No. So anything to trans, well, homosexuality, like, that seems to be okay. They pass laws on it, so that must be okay. Well, let me, let me accept that. No. If you know whose you are, then you will recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. You can find that in chapter 2, verse 4, all the way to 5, 4. 
in that chapter, there's there's uh, four other little uh, subtitles to it that I found in there. And this is not, I'm not no commentary by no means. I'm not a scholar. I'm just a man of God leading on the spirit of God who gave me this. Amen. If you don't like it, please talk to Jesus. I'm just an ambassador and a representative telling you what Jesus said. Amen. The other one is submission to authority. Letter B, marriage and family. Letter C, suffering for doing good while living for God. And letter D, leading examples to one another. And then we bring us to the, the fifth one, which is the verses that we're going to be in. And that's chapter 5, 5 through 11. And I believe this one gives us a blueprint of how to do all the above and either succeed or fail by the choice or choices we make from a position of humility, which is under God's mighty hand, or pride, which is away from God's hand. You guys are probably wondering, Steve, why did you give me that whole background check of this letter? Nobody has time for that. It's hot. I just came here to represent my son or daughter, and that's just what it is. Well, let me break down the bigger picture of what's going on here. If you guys haven't noticed on Facebook, if you guys haven't noticed in our country on the news, all you got to do is turn on one news channel. You'll see everything. Go online and go look up Yahoo News or CNN, and you'll see exactly why this is important. Because God is trying to tell us and give us through Peter, right, all scriptures God breathed. And he's trying to tell us through Peter that this is my divine order and my divine creation. This is the way in which I have founded everything. I created it. I established it. I put it together. The problem with our society is the fact that we refuse to be under God's, under, under God's hand and authority, and we'd rather be on our own. And we wonder why all these things on this list does not match up in our society or in our world. And now what we see in our streets is anarchy. What we see in our lives is straight destruction and confusion. We don't know who wears the pants anymore in the home. It seems like two people wearing skirts. We don't know what's going on. What is happening in our society? What is happening in our home? What is happening in the White House? What is happening in our nation? See, we don't got to talk about Iraq and, and Iran and all these things that are going on over there. Because the devil's like, look, I don't even need to destroy you guys with outside interference. I can just go on ahead and get you guys to go against the divine creation or creative order, and you guys will destroy yourselves from the inside out. And that's including the church. See, the Bible wasn't written for believers. It was written for, uh, for, it wasn't written for unbelievers. It was written to believers. It was a basic instruction before leaving earth. So when you become a believer, you're able to read the Bible and get a roadmap to how God called you to live your life. And the way he called us to live this life is under God's mighty hand. That's how he called us to live this life. So now in saying that, right, I'm not mad at nobody. I love you guys. I just hate the devil. I hate that I'm mad at Satan. Because I look at people, people meaning human beings, and how we're living life and destroying one another, especially in Chicago, born and raised in Chicago, did my own dirt here. I was a gang member, went through the whole nine. People in my, uh, know, and are here know me in my past. My mother called me a son of the devil. I was locked up, busted, disgusted, on the way to hell because I disregarded the roadmap to life. So I'm not speaking up here from somebody who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth or born with a pastor's, with a pastor's dad, anything like that. No, I'm coming here as a person who got saved in a Cook County jail in a jail cell that God said, let my child go because I got plans and purposes for him. That's what I'm here. 
So don't think for a second that I'm talking from a position, well, that's easy for Steve to say because he was born and raised in church. No, I wasn't. I can get people up here right now that said, this man was horrible. Horrible. There was a time, I wish my other aunt would have came here, Aunt Laura, there was a time she received us into her home and was like, hey, you know, come on in. You guys are going, you're going through some rough times. I'll take you in. And then I remember she came again against, she came across me one time. And I said, woman, I will blow this house up with you and your kids in it. That's how destructive I was. And I remember that. And she looked at me like, what? Like, I took you in. She didn't tell me that because I was already messed up. You know what I mean? But the thing is, the devil had a grip on me. And the reason why he had a grip on me was because I was not under the mighty hand of God. And the thing is, it goes both ways. I may, my story may seem extreme for some of you guys. Like, dude, you needed Jesus. Like, you needed him. Like, that is good. You found him. I'm good. I'm happy that you are doing what you're doing now. And you're thinking, well, I don't do all that stuff you did, Steve, so I'm pretty good. Well, I come to tell you, look, that your sin is no better than mine. Or worse, you know, worse than mine in that sense. Sin is sin. You may be living a good old life. But if you're not under the mighty hand of God, guess where you're going? The Bible says hell. Hell. A very burning hot place. And I'm not talking about Florida and its, and its prime and heat. Talking about hell. If we can go to the next slide. Can I get a towel, somebody, please? You guys probably wonder this brother's gonna fall out at any time. At any, he's gonna give me a towel. Thank you, bro. He's like, I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna put this thing on Snapchat. He's gonna fall out, and I got him recorded. I am not gonna fall out, man. I do this every Friday. Today I get the privilege of doing it today for you guys. Amen. Yes, my head is shiny. I could grow hair, but not here. But my wife loves it like this. I got some other brothers with me. You understand, right? Ball-headed crew, man. We ain't playing. We taking over this bad boy, right? It looks like we have a haircut every day. That's, that's good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually have one right here, bro. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, it's cold, too. Thank you. All right. Sorry about that, guys. So... Moving on, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 7, right? So we know now this is a blueprint. This is how Peter breaks this down. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Say, I know in saying that, you're probably looking at your child like, I done told you, kid, submit yourself to me. I'm your elder. And you want to use that scripture to you, you know, against your little, your little youth, like, yes, this is talking to you, you little devilish child. No. Let's keep reading, amen? All of you, right? Somebody say all of you. Yes. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. All of us must clothe ourselves with humility and submission unto God. The only way for us to begin to submit one to another, we first have to learn to submit to God himself. See, without that, you're not going to have any kind of life or any kind of peace within a home. Right now in the White House and in our streets, I believe the reason why people can't see eye to eye, because nobody wants to be the first one to say, you know what? I apologize. I submit and I surrender. Do let's be at peace. I don't care what color you are, black, Hispanic, all lives matter. But the reason why this is what's going on is because the authority, the enemy is attacking the authority. 
He's attacking the elders and the youth, old people, young people. I watched videos at, at times where they got these, these foolish individuals smacking old ladies in the face, trying to knock them out, punching old men. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's like a game. I, I don't know what you call it, Jacob. You know about this stuff. He doesn't know. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's like a game. And this is what's going on. What is happening to our world? Why are young adults, you know, going at elders and vice versa? Why is this happening? Because everybody's being opposed by God that is operating in pride. God said, I oppose the proud, but I give grace or favor to the humble. You see, we're living in a life right now that it's not that God left anywhere. It's that we kick God out and refuse to be a part of what God was talking about. We kick them out of our schools. We kick them out of our marriages. We kick them out of our home. We kick them out of our government. We kick them out of our judicial system. We kick them off the streets. And then now that things are happening, we want to ask ourselves, well, where is God at now? Well, I'll tell you where God's at. He's still on his throne. But see, some of our hearts, even inside this room, we have a fortification around the heart called pride. And God can't just bust in what he wants to because you don't let him. And it's not that God can't bust it in. It's the fact that God is a gentleman. And he is now he's giving us free will. Free will to say, look, God, I want you in my life. Or free will to say, God, I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with you so much that I'm going to build my heart. I'm going to wrap my heart inside of a fortification. I'm going to put a wall around it, and nobody's going to come in. And then we think we're the God, but we're not. And reason being, God said, I would oppose the proud, but show favor to the humble. And it's almost like if, if Peter was giving the end, the end result in the beginning, he was like, hey, this is the answer to everything. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All you have to do is humble yourself. And then after that, after the statement, he goes on and begins to break down how this looks like and what we're supposed to do. Or for that matter, how it doesn't look like and what are the results. The next verse says, check this out, humble yourselves, therefore, meaning therefore, since God opposes the proud but shows favor or grace to the humble, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Anxiety is fear because he cares for you. What is he trying to tell us here? Other than the obvious. Right, we have to humble ourselves. But it's not just to humble yourself for humble's sake. It's humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Why is that important? The reason being is that if God's, you, you know, I was thinking about this, and it's like, okay, God, if we're under your hand, how, what picture, how would that look like if I was to be under your hand? You see, and it can't be like this, right? Us underneath God's hand. It can't be like that. It's not even logically this just doesn't look right, right? How can he mess with me if his hand's up and I'm under him? No. It's like this. God's hand is over you. Right? I'll use this as an example. Under God's mighty hand. This is how it looks like. And see, for first, you have to humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Because God's mighty hand represents God himself in all his facets, in all his characteristics, in all his attributes. And not only that, but when you're under his hand and things begin to affect you and pride tries to come in and you begin to hit the top of God's hand, you realize, hold on, this is not God's will. Because I'm hitting against his hand and every time I hit against his hand, his hand tells me, bow down, uh, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Don't go that way, go this way. But it takes humility to do that. 
And not only that, but at any given time, because we're under God's mighty hand, and when the culture begins to shift and things that look like or are blatantly against God's word, like abortion and things like that, God is able to go on ahead and because you have that thought or because you're being tempted like that or even if you did that, God is able then to smash you down. Not in a sense of destroying you, but in a sense of pruning you, in a sense of disciplining you, in a sense of getting all those things that are contrary to what his hand represents out of your life. It's an umbrella. You see, Paul and Peter was talking about you must be under the mighty hand of God. You must be under his umbrella. So we wonder why, okay, so if I, I want to be under God, you know, sign me up. You know, his brother, you know, I'm going to be blessed, everything like that. Like, dude, sign me up. Like, some of you probably ready to just, you know, here, take my arm, dude. Take my blood. Take it. Take my Jordans. Take it all. Do sign me up for that. Whatever I got to trade. But the thing is, the Bible doesn't stop there. The next one is. That he may lift you up in due time. You know what one of the greatest things that come against us is time. Everybody in this room fights for time. Time. We're tempted by time, right? Instant gratification comes at us when we think time is running out. Some of us youth here, we think, man, I'm running out of time. I'm about to be 18. I need to be married with three kids. What? Like... But I'm running out of time. Some of us adults here, I'm running out of time. I need to find someone I can be with. I'm running out of time. I want to get a house, so I need to get a job. I'm running out of time. I need to do this, that, and the other. I'm running out of time, and I have no time. And you know what happens when time begins to tempt your life? The devil uses that to get us to pull away from being under God's mighty hand. Because the moment we're tempted with time, we start making rational decisions. Well, I'm going to be with old girl, man. She looks good. She's packing, you know, head, toast, stilettos. She got some swag to her. I'm going this way. The whole time, we never say, God, is this the woman I should date? But because we're so thirsty, fighting for time and be tempted but with time, we go with this other individual and realize why we no longer have time for God. And we say, well, God, I prayed. Yeah, you did pray, but you didn't let me answer. You just said, God, can I date this person? Okay, I did my part. I'm going this way. Yo, let's do this. We, yep, yep, it's all good. And you wonder why you're dating some psychopath. And this individual is punching you now, smacking you now, telling you what you do, all in your phone, checking your business. That's not a real relationship. All on your Facebook. Why did dude like your page? Like, what is going on? You, 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 you did that picture for him? Was that smile for him? You know what? I'm blocking you. Five minutes. You're on timeout. Five minutes. I'm not talking no more. Five minutes. It's done. And this is the kind of stuff we play with. This is the games we play with. The reason why is because time is so significant. But the difference between our time and God's time is God doesn't draw off our time. He doesn't draw off the time in this world because time is not a matter for him. He can do it when he wants, whenever he wants. He can do that. But the, pro, the, 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 the main thing with this is that he must do it in his time, in due time, not in your time. Some of us in this room right now, you can be a Christian, a pastor, whatever you are. The moment a door opens, we want to run through it. And then we call it God. God opened a door for me. Dude, it must be God because the door is open. As though the devil can't open up doors either. He can and the thing is, we wonder why then, as an SUM student, a door opens, all of a sudden it looks like a good job. Man, I'm getting this job, that must be God. Ooh, and we fly through this door. Thinking, man, this is God, dude, I'm flying right through this thing. And then all of a sudden now, 
your hours, you start filling your hours, you're praying less, you got no time for discipleship, you got no time to come to God on Sunday, give him, you know, give him his due, worship him, pay your tithes, your offerings, all these other things. But yet you called it God that opened up the door. And God is like, I did not open up that door. The door was open, not by me, and you never took the time to pray and ask me, God, is this the door you open or is this a mirage? See, a lot of us is believing in the mirage. We think because doors are opening and things are moving and stuff like that, well, that must be God. Let me jump out there and do that. Without even consulting your God, without even consulting the one your hand's supposed to be under. And right now, people are going through it. Right now, you may be in a relationship right now that goes against everything that God has said. And you thought it was God, but God was like, you never asked me. A door was open, he smiled at you, and he said, you look good, you look like he's in his future, and you went with him. He said, well, that must be God, because God gave me a hope in the future, and he just said, future, I'm going that way. No. What? This is what happens. So the thing is, time is something that comes against us. Look at the other thing. Verse 7. Cast all your fear on him because he cares for you. Fear is another thing that many of us draw off of. We make impulse and rational decisions based upon the fear that we face. False evidence appearing as real. False evidence appearing as real. And we look at this evidence that the devil presents to us. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to do this? How, my future, man, what am I going to do? What is happening? Nobody's calling me. What is going on? And we start drawing off fear. And see, God doesn't operate in that kind of sphere. He don't operate in false evidence appearing real. He operates in his word and by promises. Because he's a God who does not renege on his promises or his word. So we draw off fear. And many of us in this room is wondering, how am I going to get past this storm? How am I going to get past these things that I'm going through right now? It looks real dark for me right now. And I'm here to tell you, trust and wait on God. Trust and wait on God. If you're under God's mighty hand, he will not allow you to go astray. If anything, he is able to grab you and put you here. He is able to then grab you and put you here. He is able to grab you and put you here. Now, mind you, it may be false evidence appearing as real all around you. But it doesn't mean it's going to affect you if you're under God's mighty hand. Why is that so important? Because when we get to know who God is, we're able to know that God is already on the winning team. He never lost a battle. He is never going to lose. He is never going to just get off his throne. He is never going to not stop being God. He is never going to do these things. He is always going to lead you to victory. And in him, we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. So we don't have to draw fear. He may grab you and place you here, and you're like, all of a sudden, storms start coming. You're like, God, this must have not been you because it ain't looking too good. But God doesn't draw off those kind of appearances. He just draws a look. I put you here, and I'm sending you this way. All our job then to do is, okay, God, I'm under your mighty hand. I'm under your mighty hand. If we can go to the next slide. Look at what it starts saying now. Now it's about to start getting real. The Bible says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil. Anybody have an enemy here? Everybody has an enemy here according to this. Your enemy, the devil, 
prowls around like a rowing line looking for someone to devour. See, if we're moving so fast and we're moving off of this microwave world, everything's instant gratification. Everything's like now, now, now. I want a girlfriend now. I want a spouse now. I want kids now. I want a job now. And you wonder why you're all alone. You wonder why, man, God, I mean, where's God at? And God's looking like I was not in that. And you can see that because you have now forsaken me. You are no longer under my hand. And see, who is, who is causing all this stuff? Who is causing all the wreckage in our nation and in our, in our great city? Our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Let me give you this image. How many people like watching uh, animal stuff? I could watch that thing until like 2 in the morning. It just fascinates me. I mean, they're eating animals alive. This dude is still breathing. His intestines is all gone. I mean, it gets real nasty, but it's like, oh, my goodness, this is happening in front of my eyes. Like, it's like I'm in Africa. Like, I can hear the sounds around me like, dude, this guy is about to be eating. One thing I realized about the, de uh, about the devil and about a lion, he never goes and attacks the whole group. It's like if there was a lion that just walked in right now, just like, sup? Like, sup? You know, like fur all around, just sup? He will not just start attacking us just like that, like in groups. No. He's going to walk around. Walk around. And he's going to look around. I kid you not, I watched this. I studied this stuff on this little animal stuff. He's walking around. And he will look for the furthest one. All of a sudden, he sees a white boy from down south by himself up there. And he's like, got some meat on him. And I'm telling you what this, what this tiger, what this uh, lion would do. It would just wait. And all of a sudden, this dude thinks he's good walking by himself. And he would charge our good old pastor over there and would tear him up for thinking he can stand on his own. You've seen the devil's pawn around just like that. He's looking around to see who thinks they're on, they're on their own business, that they cannot fall. Who is walking by themselves? Who can I devour upon? Who can I destroy right now? And he looks for those individuals. And the moment he grabs them, they can be politicians. They can be the president of the United States of America. It don't matter who it is. But he comes in, he prowls around them. He will begin to devour them, not physically, but spiritually and emotionally and, and mentally. And at, at times, if he got a good person, he would hold that person hostage, play with his food, have his kids come over. He'd get a little bit too. Right? Mess with them. Some of them would even leave them there alive and let them chill out, walk away, get a little nap, come back, eat them again. This is what they do. And see if we can picture the enemy in this, in this way. Peter starts off by saying be alert and sober-minded or self-controlled. See, if we're too busy looking this way, doing this, and trying to make all these moves on our own without even consulting God. The devil begins to pry on you and he begins to hook you this way outside from other God's mighty hand. Because he knows when you're under God's mighty hand, he cannot attack you. He cannot get you. So what does he say? If I can just throw some darts and get them to come under the, the hand of God, if I can just give them his Starbucks or her, her Starbucks of sin, and I can just draw them from out of God's mighty hand, I can have my way with them. When nobody coming against me, nothing. I, I'm, the, I'm the fiercest person here. So nobody's going to attack me. Somebody comes, I'll growl at them, they'll run away, and I will continue peacefully eating my food. And see, that's what's going on in our society. That is what's going on in our nation. 
That is what's going on in our states. That is what's going on in our cities. That is what's going on in our communities. That is what's going on in our homes and people's homes here today. The devil comes just like he came in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And he got cast out of hell. According to the Bible in Isaiah 14, it says that it was found pride in your heart. Pride was found in your heart. And you said in your heart, I will ascend above the stars of God. I will be God and people would worship me. This is what the devil said. So then all of a sudden, guys, God said, you know what? You out of here. I cast you out. And he casted him down to earth. Then after that, I can see the devil just prying around looking at Eve. She walking around just as free as can be. She ain't got no clothes on. You got Adam just chasing. Ooh, nobody got clothes on. Everybody free, living free, just loving it, loving it. Some of y'all need to repent right now thinking about Eve just like that. That's a shame. That is a shame. So the thing is, right, he's walking around doing this, and all of a sudden, he starts realizing, wait a minute. They rule everything on earth. They rule the animals. They rule the earth. God has given them all control here on earth to manage everything. And yet he, God is still sovereign. You see, and when the devil got kicked out of heaven, he didn't just all of a sudden repent and just got a new heart. No. When he got kicked out of heaven, he still had his dreams and aspirations to be God and the one in charge, large and in charge. He still had the same aspirations and dreams that said, I want to rule and everybody would worship me. So he comes to, to Eve. Adam was there too. Goofball Adam was there too. Comes up to him, and he talks to them. And he begins to talk. First, she was crazy because she's talking to an animal, right? It's legit happens. It's like for real. Talking to a snake, whatever, right? And he tells her this deceiving things. And he says, you will not surely die because God knows. Who knows? God knows when you eat this fruit, you will be like him, knowing good and evil. See, what's wrong with that statement? Everything is. Obviously, they ate it and they, and, they, and they fell off into sin, right? But even more, Satan tempted them. Sorry. Satan tempted them with the same thing his heart was tempted with. And that was to rule and be above God. And in this sense, it was to be God. And he gave them the same temptation and they bit this apple. And sin came into the world. And they thought, oh, I'm going to be like God. But all along, according to the Bible, the devil took their authority and everything they had for himself. And since that day, in the creation, we got to go to the beginning with this stuff. In the creation, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, God begins to create things, right, out of just what he said, right? How many Bible scholars in here, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. If you don't, end of the year, watch TV, they'll, they'll give it, they'll show it. In the beginning, Moses comes out. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Black and white, whatever. So the thing is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what he did. He created the heavens and the earth. After that, it goes down the line. First day, he creates light. He separates the darkness. He did all this, all the way down. Till about verse 26, he creates animals, everything. It's the sixth day. He's creating all this stuff. It's good. Everything's good. Looks good. Walking around, they're doing their thing. Everybody's, you know, the, 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 the trees are bearing its fruit, the plants, everything else. Every animal's created, you know, in, in their image and light, and not God's image, but amongst themselves, animals, they're reproducing. Everybody's having a good time, right? Then after that, he creates man in his own image and his own likeness. And he says, go out and do this. Sixth day. Sixth day ends, seventh day comes, right? 
All this, what God is establishing, is exactly what Peter broke down. Because in the beginning, God created a divine order. And the reason why this divine order, and the reason why I'm telling you this stuff, is because the moment the enemy comes, he is going to come to try to get us to go against God's divine order. So he's been doing this for the longest. He brought in evolution. And all of a sudden, now we're teaching in public schools evolution as though it was not a theory, as though it was a fact. And the reason being is because if I can just get them to believe in evolution, I can get them to say nothing plus nothing equals something. And not only that, but I can get them to then remove the nothing and put themselves in it and say, I created everything. You see, Satan doesn't care about you saying, hey, I worship Satan. He can care less about that. What he cares about is that your life and your actions represent you worshiping and serving him. Steve, what you talking about? I'm not serving no devil. I'm just doing me. The devil is a lie. According to the Bible, there is no gray area. You're either serving God or you're serving Satan, never yourself. That is just what it is. So the thing is, in the beginning, this is what happens. So he gets them to go against the divine nature and creation of God. Because uh, chapter 1 of Genesis represents God himself, his supremacy, his creativity, his providential care. His everything is found in Genesis chapter 1. And the moment the devil gets us to lose Genesis chapter 1, he gets us to replace God with created things in ourselves and says God is no longer worthy to be worshipped or honored because he's no longer supreme. I'm losing some of you guys. Let me break it down a little bit more in lower terms. Basically, if we go on ahead and allow the devil to take us under God's mighty hand and to believe all these other lies that are going on, we begin to remove God from being God in our lives and in our society and in our surroundings. So then if God is no longer supreme and authority and providential and everything else, we will no longer honor God for who God is. We will now be subject to honor ourselves and thinking that we created everything, thinking that we have all power, thinking that we can do all things. And it's a lie. Because now in this room, the enemy is able to come and do what he wants to do in your life, in your marriage, with your children, with your spouse, with your livelihood, with your job and everything. Because the moment God is removed and you're not under the umbrella is the moment you're now serving Satan. He's the one who's whispering in your ear to go left, to go right. And all along you're thinking it's God. You know in a Christian world and with Christian needs, we come around each other and we say, man, how God, how's God doing in your life? How's God doing in your life? You know what I mean? You come in the door, how many times? I, I, so I told you it's myself. Bro, how you doing? It's good to see you. You probably had another person man, dude, God bless you, man. How you doing? Right? How many people experience that coming in this door? It's a good thing. It's love, right? Hugged you. Hey. Right? Loving on you and stuff. But you never hear a person coming up to you and telling you, where's the devil at in your life? Do you know how real that conversation will be? How, how quick it will turn? I'll come out to you, man, sister, how you doing? How's it going? How's the devil in your life? Right? That's going to like, wait a minute. Like, like, dude, we in church talking about the devil in my life. You might even come at me and be like, dude, where's the devil in your life? Ugh, you know, like, be all bogus and just offensive toward me, right? But the truth of the matter is, this is a question we need to ask ourselves even in this room today. Because if you're not under the mighty hand of God, then the real question is, where is the devil at in your life? What is he doing in your life? How is your family doing then? How is your walk doing? Where are you headed? 
Because if God is not the authoritative, supreme person in your life, and you're not under his hand, then you're under the hand of the devil. It's either or. You're either operating out of pride in which God opposes you, or you're operating in humility in which God is your God and over you with his authority and his mighty hand. Which one are you? That is a question I want us to think as I'm running out of time here. Where is the devil at in your life? Is he in your heart? Is he messing with your sexuality? Is he messing with you as a parent? Is he messing with your children? Is he messing with your parents? Is he messing with your government? He's messing with your worldview? Where is the devil at in your life today? That is a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Because it's easy to say, well, I'm blessed and highly favored, dude. I'm good. Uh, uh, robot style, right? And we're all drawing off Christianese and it's all fun and games. Until the real question is, when you examine your heart and you ask yourself, where is the devil at in my life? What is he doing in my life? Is he destroying me without me knowing it? Am I in the wilderness going around in a circle without me even knowing it because I never consult God in my decisions? Because if you didn't consult God in your decision and you just ran off, a lot of times and many times you're in the wilderness right now. And you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going on. And the devil has you so deceived. The Bible says he blinds the eyes of unbelievers. He blinds your eyes. You can't see. Where is the devil at in your life? The Bible says in verse 9, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What faith are you standing on? Are you still standing on the faith that God is supreme? Are you still standing on the faith that it's God who's the one who directs my life and I must come to him? Are you standing on unbelief, doing whatever you want to do, when you want to do it, and leading your life any which way? And when you look and examine your life, all you are is a boat caught up in a hurricane and a storm. And every time a wave comes, it blows over you, and you're flipping and stuff, seasick, throwing up. Some of us is so sick all the time. And you may say, well, you know, it's just I'm sick. Well, you need to pray on that. You need to pray on that. Because right now you're being tossed by the waves in unbelief. There's no structure. There's no nothing. We need to seek God. Are we under the God's mighty hand? And the Bible says we must resist him, the devil. Resist him. How do you resist him? By standing in your faith. The reason why all this stuff is so vital is because we think we don't have a part to play. And that is, that is, that is false. There's a fight going on. There's a battle going on. And the battle is for your soul. And if you think for a second you have no part in this, you've been deceived. Because according to Peter... Right? We have to cast all our fear upon God. Right? That's an action right there. To cast is an action word. We have to cast it, throw it upon God. God, I'm, I'm afraid, God. God, I don't know what's going on with my marriage, God. God, my children's running rampant. You know, as a youth, as a youth pastor and as a mentor in an alternative high school, you know what I see a lot? Parents come up to me, they'll call me, man, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, my son needs Jesus, man, can you just reach out to him? Can you bring him to the youth? I know we can help him. And it's like, where are you, though? Where are you, though? You see, because I learned, I have kids myself, teenage kids. One of them is right here. The other one is somewhere running around crazy. Where's he at? He over there. Jesus freaks all over the place. 
You see, but the thing is, I believe that our kids and our youth are waiting to be inspired, that our kids and our youth are waiting to be led by the people who were supposed to lead them from the get-go, and that is parents. That is pastors and teachers. That is the church themselves, leaders that they can look up to. So when I get a parent that calls me up, oh, my youth is out of control, the first person I look at is not the youth. I look at them like, well, where's the devil at in your life? You want your kids to do this, and you want to live under a certain like a model that says, hey, don't do what I do, but you better do what I say. You ought to smack yourself for that. I know that's pretty direct, but think about that. These kids these days, they're visual. These kids these days, they're not drawing off what you're saying. They're drawing off what you're doing. And because of that, we have kids on the streets shooting at police officers. We have kids on the streets killing each other. I get a message to my phone every Monday, and it tells me how many people got killed, how many people got shot, because I'm concerned about my students and they got shot or killed or some of the youth in my youth group, and I can pray for these individuals. And it's like the number just keeps going up and up and up. And the question is, where are the parents? And then when you talk to the youth and you're like, man, well, how is it at home, man, dude? You know, my mom, she's going clubbing. Dude, she got like three guys coming in the house. I don't know who's my dad. I don't know what's going on. I just want to smoke weed, dude. I just want to do, you know, go party. That's helping her and maybe to help me. What? It's heartbreaking, man. And I know it gets quiet, man, that, you know, preaching some real stuff. But if this message is cutting you, take it to heart. Whose hand are you under? Because people, God is waiting for a person whose heart will say, God, I want to be under your hand, God. Then go to the next slide. I want to be under your hand, God. Lord, I'm afraid of my marriage, man. God, I'm afraid I may not have no funds. If we can all stand, God, God, I'm afraid if I get the band up here. God, I'm afraid. You know, I'm just coasting, God. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. I was going to church. Everything was going good. And all of a sudden, I get a job. And now I can't go to church no more. Things like that. I thought it was you, but it's not you. God, help me. God, save me. We need to ask ourselves, whose hand are we under? Are we under the mighty hand of God? Or are we under Satan's hand? Are we drawing off pride or are we drawing off humility? Some of the leaders here, all of the leaders, I want to talk to you guys for a second as well, including myself. Are we quick to jump on things because we're being asked to do it? Are we quick to jump in certain directions and go this way and that way and this way and that way? And then you find out, I have no peace. I have no joy. And because we have this dream, this huge dream, we assume a dream came from God because it was so big. And God is like, don't you know my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are way beyond your thoughts? If you would but come to me and pray to me in all your decisions, Oh, how I will direct your path. Parents inside this place, where's the devil at in your life? Where is he at? Where's he at in your marriage? Is your marriage founded on the principles of God? Or are you just going with the flow thinking, I'll be okay. I got time. I got time. I got time. And then when time begins to run out, you just make another rational decision and now you're in debt. And now you argue about finances and everything like that. Where's the devil at in your life? 
Whose hand are you under? Who's leading your life? This is what the Bible says, man, in closing. And the God of all grace, somebody say the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Hey, you, you got to read that part, but who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There's hope. You might have went the wrong turn. You might have got the wrong job. You might have been living life the way you want to live. And now you realize, man, this is why I have destruction in my house. This is why I have destruction in my community, in my state, in my nation. Because we are no longer under God's mighty hand. And you wonder why your kids are running rampant. Check your life. Follow Jesus. And they would follow you to Jesus. That is the hand of God. Where are you at, though? Where's the devil at in your life? You see, one thing this scripture says, after you have suffered a little while, you see this, some people say, oh, it's a crutch. Steve, you weak, dude. You just got religion as a crutch. Look, let me tell you something. Ain't no crutch here, man. Ain't no crutch. That means you ain't never tried Christianity because this stuff is hard. This stuff is not easy. You need to be the warrior to stand up here. You need to be a warrior to live for Jesus. This ain't no weaklings, man. This is real. This is real. Don't let the devil trick you to say, I don't need no crutch. Yes, you do. You need Jesus because without him, look at how your life ended up. Look at where your kids are at. God have mercy. This life takes soldiers. It takes somebody strong enough in Christ to say, God, I lift my hands up instead of having all the decisions all the time. It takes somebody to humble themselves and put their hands up and says, God, I don't know it all. God, I don't have the strength to do this anymore. My husband wants to walk out. God, my kids are going crazy. I can't take it anymore. It takes a strong person to relinquish your power and yourself and your will and to say, God, I give it to you. Try it. Try it. Try it. Because it goes against your very person as a human being. But you know what's awesome that comes out of that? Hallelujah. This is after you have suffered a little while because as Christians you're going to suffer. You're going against the grain now. It says God himself will restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast and then look who says who has the power to him be the power forever and ever to him be the power forever and ever God has the power God has the answers to your prayers God has direction God has a purpose God has a dream God has a vision God has plans for your life. And all you have to do is drop everything and say, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what's going on. But God, I heard you have all the answers that all power belongs to you. And I need mountains to be moved. I need my heart to be changed. God, do that. Do that in my life. If you have backslidden for Christ, I encourage you, get it right today. If you have realized, wait a minute, I call myself a Christian. But I ain't by far away from God's mighty hand. And God is talking to you as well. With every eye bowed, every head bowed and every eye closed.
Whose hand are you under? 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble ourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Is it going to be instant? No. But I tell you, it is a promise. It will happen in his perfect timing. Will you choose pride or humility right now? Will you surrender unto the Lord or stand opposed to him in pride? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what God has been talking to you about this whole time, but I know he's been speaking and I know he's been touching hearts. What will you do now? Right now, I want to encourage you guys. We're going to have this altar open. And anybody, right, with, with, with their hands raised right now, if God has been talking to you and you need some deliverance and you need God in your life to do some things, I want you to raise your hand high right now. Earlier today, you've seen people worship with their hands up. We worship with our hands up because we admit to God, I surrender. I surrender, God. Right now, all these people with your hands up, I don't care how tight it gets. I don't care who's standing next to you. Don't let somebody stop you from receiving deliverance. Come up right now. Come up right now. Some of you guys should be running up here. Come up right now. Don't be scared. We're not going to judge you. This is not a trick. We're not going to put smoke on you or put a mirror in front of you. All we're going to do is get you face to face with God. Whoever you are, come up now. If you've been deceived and you think that you're not saved, get Jesus today. The purpose of this right here, as guys are still coming up, as people are still coming up, don't miss out on your opportunity today. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day that you say, God, I'm tired of fighting. God, I'm tired of going through this by myself. God, I'm tired of being sent off. I'm tired of listening to my own voice and to the devil's voice. God, I need you. Right now is your time to talk with Jesus. I'm not going to call the leaders up here to pray with you right now. Right now is you and Jesus. You and Jesus. We talked about on Friday about the walls of Jericho and the first thing that Joshua did he put respect on Jesus name he put respect on the name of Jesus this is not a game this ain't no monopoly this ain't Mario Brothers this ain't Call of Duty this is God supreme God divine God the Father Yahweh Yahshua Jesus, King of Kings, Lord and Lords. And I'm going to encourage you guys, put some respect on that. Put some respect on Jesus' name. He's worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our honor. He is worthy of our very lives. Pray to him right now. Seek his face right now. Seek his face right now. He says, come to me, reason with me. You have been making decisions without praying. You've been going directions without me telling you. And you have gotten yourself outside the hand of God. Jesus says, come back. Come back. Come back, son or daughter. If you have backslidden and you don't know if you're saved no more, I definitely want you up here on this stage. I want to pray for you. Whoever you are, if you want to receive Jesus Christ in your life, I need you on this stage. Don't miss this time. Don't miss this time. Today's a day for salvation.
Oh, 